Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to ask Katie to come stand next to me if she would. In a moment, she's going to pray. If I seem a little bit distracted or whatever, I don't mean to be. I have had a uh, different kind of week. I wrote, those of you who are my intercessors, I wrote you and told you what occurred to me on an airplane flying back from Kansas City and I just have not recovered. There is something that God wants to do in this generation that is not churchy. It's not, um, it's not going to be like you thought it would be. It's not going to be come together and it's going to be very searching, very deep, very intimate. The Spirit is literally readying a bride for the bridegroom. And it is an intense thing. It is something that, as I wrote the intercessors this week, I, I've been able to maintain myself and I'm hoping I can today. I would ask for your patience because it has been difficult to how many of you know it's difficult to wander in and out of two different worlds sometimes? That's what the believer does. You know that, don't you? We're in the world and not of it, but not of it. And so we're going to read this this morning, then I'm going to ask my daughter Katie. How many of you know Katie? Katie has thrown her mother and I under her bus and is joining the team at International House of Prayer starting in January. And so... Um, you know, since she's out of the will of God, we're going to have her pray. Hopefully she'll get in the will of God. <laughs> I must say, I am very jealous of her in this fact. I, we walk, Greg, I don't know, Greg, are you standing upright? Good, I'm glad. Uh, we walked into something this last week. We had no idea what we were walking into. And I, uh, I think God's going to touch us, do something in Portland, very similar. But let's read. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, And the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write this, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. And I could wish you were cold or hot. Aren't you glad that God just doesn't up and wish and push us around like robots? But He wants a voluntary love to come out of our life to Him. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Again, we are not dealing with, you know, and that word is, the, that word is correct. It does say vomit. But we're not, I'm not concerning, we're not concerning ourselves in the word about God's reaction of negative reaction, although it is always prevalent in there. But I want you to see the deeper truth here. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, and he gives the reasons of what makes him very queasy, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, blind, poor, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and with white garments that you may be clothed 
that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. I just want to reiterate this at all times. God is an intensely, overwhelmingly merciful God. This morning when you got up, His mercies were brand new. (laughs) You know what? The minute that you fell, the minute you stumbled, the minute that things went haywire, I want you to know His mercies were awaiting for you to reach out and grab them. God is more into covering your shame than revealing your nakedness. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love. I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Bow your heads as Katie prays this morning. God, we thank you for all that you want to do, Lord. We thank you for your mercy that is so good and so kind to us. God, we thank you that you are here even now to deliver us from shame and and from self-hatred and from, from the things that keep us from truly seeking after you and truly seeking your will for our lives. God, we just ask that you would come and you would wash over each person in this room with your love, that you would wash over each person's shame with your love and you would show them that you are a tender and kind God, that you are a tender father who is jealous over his children, who wants to be close to his kids. God, I ask that you would come and you would touch us. Let our hearts and our minds be open to what it is you're saying, to what it is you're speaking at this time and in this hour, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is, it is a privilege this morning to have both sides together. Uh, it's kind of funny, though, when we have both sides together. It's funny uh, how many people don't want to cross the river either way. It's really easy. You get in your car... And anyway, they think it's like, some, you know, you, you talk to some people, well, why didn't you come? Well, it was on the other side. I'm thinking, what, you had to come by boat? I mean, for crying out loud. Uh, you know, some of them you think they're swimming. Uh, I just want to say welcome to Eric uh, Hopkins. It's good to see you, buddy. How's Nathan? Good. You as a dad is shocking to me. <laughs> as much as I'm sure it's shocking to your own father. Um, <laughs> But that's better that you're a dad than a mom. That's all I can say right there. That's, that's good. So, Eric lives in, is, lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee, home of some pretty killer barbecue. And Eric is a local policeman there, along with his wife and their, their newborn son. Good to have him today. And all of you who are here for the first time or visiting. Um, put up slide number five, if you could, where it says danger. I just want to, I just felt quickened by the Holy Spirit before we get too far into this. We have been talking about, and I, I guess Brian continued the theme last week about donuts. You know, they just came for the donuts. I spoke in Missouri last Sunday morning, and uh, where, where that theme was, was brought to me by a 12-year-old kid. In fact, I hung out with that kid for a week. And uh, it's really amazing how the Holy Spirit can really speak to us through, through those things around us. Amen? Now, last time we were together, a couple of weeks ago, we were dealing with the idea that passivity brings a false unity. That, that in the lukewarm condition, 
When you get into that lukewarm, and I'm just going to jump right in, you can catch up in your brain, but when you're in that lukewarm condition, now let me just explain to you, how many of you felt, felt, I'm going to use that subjective term if I can, how many of you felt this morning God touch you in your life? Come on, let me see your hand. Now, you see, I, I'm, here's the thing, I'm going to expect the same reaction from you about the Word as you gave for the, the quacks and the bucktooths that you just were cheering about, okay? <laughs> Ducks and beavers. Uh, from those of us from a different side of the world, we have different names for you, but we won't go there right now. Uh, but how many of you know that God really touched you this morning? So far, God's not done. Now, here's the deal. You can walk out of here very hot for God this morning, but the moment you reach into the, the climate of the culture... It has a way of taking that spark and cooling it off real fast. So the only way to deal with lukewarmness is to understand this. Lukewarmness is a stronghold that you're going to have to aggressively fight. Lukewarmness is a stronghold that you're going to have to be aggressive with. If you want to keep the fire of God on the altar of your heart blazing and burning, you're going to have to make a conscious effort. And if your idea is, well, it's just up to God to do it, that's a wrong thinking and wrong idea. That's, that's not good because you know what? You'll become lukewarm. And every person in this room, every person, listen to me by webcast this morning, every person here is dealing with the condition of lukewarmness because none of us are as hot as God would want us to be. And, and it's very easy. What I found is this. I've been home since Tuesday night. It's been very easy. It'd be very easy to just shuffle on and say, wow, God, the experience that, that happened to me on a Tuesday morning, about 6.30 in the morning, 30,000 feet in the air, that experience, well, I can just let it die or I can nurture it. I can get alone with God. I can, I can withdraw a little bit from what I think is necessary in my life and withdraw and be with God. You know what I think is happening in, in the church culture right now? We are too afraid to let God really blast us. Here's what I'm saying. Let me give you an example. I went and dug them out. How many of you know what these are? Let me just tell you what's going to happen, what's coming to the church in the next two, three years, starting very soon. You know what these are? How many of you know what this is? This is when people fall over, we cover them up like they're dead. <laughs> That's what I thought when I was a little kid. I saw somebody slaying the spirit. I, I went to my mom and said, the preacher just killed that guy. <laughs> Here's the deal. Those of you that came out of renewal, those of you came out of the Brownsville revival and other things, I got news for you. The next wave, and I had a little taste of it last week, the next wave that's coming is a tsunami. You're not going to be able to surf this sucker. It's going to overwhelm you. And you know, remember the term, we, we went through the term, those of us on the south side who went through a year of this, let me tell you something, the term carpet time is going to mean nothing to you coming up because you're going to be there so long you might grow into the carpet. Because God is wanting to do a deep work in His church. He doesn't want us to remain in a lukewarm condition. He can't afford the church to stay lukewarm. 
But here's the deal. We get sophisticated. We get all uppity in our church thinking, in our church world. Oh my goodness, what would happen? What would happen to you if you're on a plane 35,000 feet up and God reveals something to you that is so shocking and so stirring in your spirit that you're literally shaking all over the place on the inside and you're wondering, dear God, am I going to have to buzz the stewardess to get me out of here because I don't know if I can handle it any longer. Here's the deal. God is not afraid to make us look foolish to put His wisdom inside of us. And some of you just need a good old dose of humbleness before the Lord where God rocks your world to the point that we have to carry you and pour you into the car and let somebody drive you home. Come on. Some of you have gotten so sophisticated. You've gotten so, well, that'll never happen to me. And I have ten verses. Why not? And I'm going to tell you something. You might have ten verses. Why not? But I know a Holy Spirit who says, why not? Some of you have never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to know on this Thanksgiving morning where you thought you were going to come to church and just let the turkey digest. Well, I'm telling you something. God's done with letting you digest the turkey. God's wanting to stir your heart and maybe make your stomach a little queasy about where you're at with Jesus. You say, wow, uh, what happened to you? I, I can't tell you what happened to me. It's been going on for about, about three months. But a culmination of some things happen. I can tell you this. God is wanting to stir. And passivity, when you are complacent, which is the essence of lukewarmness, is a complacency. When you're passive, there becomes a false unity. And I'm going to speak to this. I'm going to speak right in the heart of true life. I don't care what side of the river you come from. There is a false unity that comes when God begins to stir and God begins to work. Pretty soon there's little trickles of, well, what do you think of what happened Sunday morning? I want to train you real quick. If somebody asks you, what do you think of what's going on in the church? I want everybody to practice this. I want you to look that person in their baby blues or their dark brown eyes or whatever color eyes they got. They might have more than one set if they're asking too many questions. But here's the deal. You need to know, I don't know and I don't care. I just want God. You hearing me? It's not up to us to ask for somebody else's opinion about what God wants to do. It's up to us to say, God, if it's you, I'll take it. If it's not you, then you show me it's not you and you begin to deal with me. Let me tell you something. I'm sitting there. Greg, Greg, Greg and I had a great time. We, because this is how sarcastic and how complacent you can get. Flew in on Thursday. Thursday night we went right to the... Right now the prayer room is is kind of closed from 6 o'clock to 12 right now because they, they cannot contain the amount of people and so they've moved it over to a bigger building. There's about 3,000 people every night. And just from 6 to midnight, these students just going crazy for God. And we were there and, and it was hilarious because, you know, you, you see things that just are... You just go, I didn't see that. I mean, there's this one guy, this long-haired guy. He's got shorts on and a beard. And he's, he's walking around going, hooga, hooga, hooga. And you, I mean, he, seriously, he's skipping around. I'm going, Greg, did you see that one? And Greg goes, yeah, 
check up the first row. There's two guys with beanies and they're being ninjas. And I mean, we're sitting there and we're, we're just, we forget God for a minute. We are just fascinated by, whoa, there goes the usher. We, uh, Greg, we lost two ushers over here. They're out cold. Who's going to ush now? So consumed with what's going on that we're not consumed with God. You hear me? And then comes the critical way of thinking in your brain, which every pastor has. I'm going to need a chapter and verse for this. And I was pretty much handling it fine until Sunday night. A man by the new name of Lou Ingalls stood up. And I'm telling you, I'm sitting on the second row, and this guy begins to talk. He, he's, just been, he's having to explain to students who've never been a part of revival or renewal. He's explaining to them, this is what's coming, dear children. As he began to explain it, I'm having flashbacks. I'm having flashbacks to a group from England that came to our church in Junction City, Oregon, that literally flattened the place for three or four nights. I'm having flashbacks to where Gary and Arlinda and a few of us were worshiping in the old sanctuary and over in the south side, and all of a sudden a cloud began to come into that. And for one whole year, one whole year, we could hardly do anything. There was a period of time we went 30 straight days, services every night. What was happening? God was wanting to demonstrate His greatness, and we got callous care and lukewarm. We allowed ourselves to climatize to the culture instead of climatize to heaven. You hear me? And passivity will bring a false unity because here's what began to happen. Do you really think this is of God? I don't know. I think we need to talk to the pastor. This is really way out of control. I don't know. And pretty soon... We've got blessed lukewarmness. Now, who wants us to be lukewarm? (laughs) You got that right. The devil loves a lukewarm church because they're absolutely no threat to hell. And living in the city of Portland, Vancouver, let me just tell you something. If you were if if you were to take the seven churches here in Revelation three that we've been looking at, you take the one church. You say if you were to say what is the one church out of this you would you would place in the Portland, Vancouver? It's this one, lukewarm, because we accept anything. We think it's perfectly fine that in the downtown of our city, we've allowed our mayor and the politicians of our city in Portland to put a big gong to Buddha down there and ring the thing every time before city council starts. We think that's acceptable, friends. That's not acceptable. And there's nothing politically incorrect with saying that. We worship one God and one God alone. And yet we hover in a corner. We think it's perfectly acceptable. Just, well, you know, we just don't want to, we don't want to bother. I'm ready to pastor a church and be a part of a church that really wants to bother some things. That really wants, is sick and tired of just saying, you know what, it's okay. And this false unity takes place. Let me tell you something. We are not in unity with those who don't believe in the inspired Word of God. And we need to get away from this whole goofy thinking that will be thought of weird. You are going to be thought of weird anyway. Because Jesus Himself, out of His mouth, said, if the world hated me, guess what? They're really going to hate you. 
And yet we get this idea, we get this idea, this lukewarm idea that if we will just be passive with things, we can all get along. I am tired of getting along. I don't want to get along no more. I don't even want to get along with you. (laughs) There you go, huh? You picking a fight? Yeah, right now. Come on, let's go. Because here's the deal. I don't want to get along with my wife. I don't anyway. No, I don't want to get along with my wife. I don't want to get along with my kids. I don't want to get along with the elder board. I don't want to get along with Brian. I don't want to get along with my intercessors. I want to get along with God. And if I'm along with God for the ride and doing what he wants me to do, then you know what? You'll have a choice. Follow or get off the bus. Are you catching on yet? He got messed up. And I'm, I'm just going to keep being messed up. I wrote the intercessors this week and I told them, I said, God revealed in such a, such a clear way. And almost just kind of laid out my next few years, just bam, in just seconds of time. And here's the deal. I cannot adhere to and be normal in the idea of normal church. <laughs> oh, you don't get it. Okay, three songs, a hymn, offering, special TV announcements, a sermonette, and dismissal is not going to make it for me. If that's what you want, I'm going to say this very boldly and lovingly, you may need a new pastor. Because I I can't do that no more. I, I, I don't know how to do that. I wasn't, I'm not, maybe I'm generationally not plugged in, but I don't know how to do that anymore. There's a longing in my heart to see a generation on fire for God. And you know what? All the little gimmicks and all the little stuff we do isn't setting them on fire. The only one thing that will set them on fire, and that is the fire of the Holy Spirit. And that is a church that says, you know what, enough of game playing, enough of just wandering and waddling into church hoping God hits me, but I'm coming together as the body of Christ and we're going to get rid of our lukewarmness and Monday when I go to work, I'm going to work with an attitude. And I don't mean a bad attitude, I mean a Holy Spirit attitude that says I'm going to fight lukewarmness, passivity, and let me tell you something, it will come in the littlest shapes and forms that you do not think that's a bad deal. But let me tell you something, (laughs) you ready for a confession? I won't tell you what show it is, but I'm a medal. Can I medal? This is what's happened in just that short of time. There was a show that I would watch to go to sleep by. Fairly innocuous. But there were some things about it that weren't cool. Best way to put it. You know, a little sitcom thing. Ha <laughs> ha, funny. Came home, I can't watch the thing. I'm thinking, well, this is dumb. I'm not a legalist. Of all people, that's not a legalist. I mean, <laughs> I find I, I have a badge somewhere in here that says legalized to hunt Pharisees. So I... I, I, I I'm not a legalist. But here's the deal. There are some things that can keep us from God. And what God's doing in me in that area, I'm not going to put on you. I'm just telling you, there comes a point where passivity has got to go. It's dangerous. And God may ask of you the stupidest thing. (laughs) 
I drug, I drug our pastor from our little church. I drug him and his daughter Sunday night to church in, in, in Grandview and, and, uh, at IHOP. And, and uh, next thing I know, I look down the row and Katie's got her hands all, all, all on him, praying for him, and tears are dripping down his face. And later he'd say, he says, that hunger's back. And my words to him are, the passivity has to go. There comes a point where, you know what? Everything must go. I want you to think with me and ponder this for a moment. There's a story in the scripture of two men, two young guys. One's name is David and one's Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of Saul. King Saul of Israel. Now, King Saul of Israel is probably the best representation in the Scripture that we have in the Old Testament of a carnal believer. It simply means this. He, he, had, he had the anointing of God upon him, and yet he couldn't let go of his own way of thinking. When you compare Saul and David, you look at David's life, and David was an adulterer, a murderer. He had trouble telling the truth. Uh, he just he just had some real character issues. You look at Saul. Saul never committed adultery. He never murdered. Uh, he just. But you know what his problem was? His problem was dishonesty in worship. It came from a passive spirit, that carnal spirit in Saul. And so Saul, who is a representation of the flesh, has a son by the name of Jonathan. And Jonathan, the Bible says that Jonathan and David became very close. In fact, the Bible says that they, they loved they were loyal to each other. They loved each other. And one day, just as clear as could be, Jonathan had a revelation. And the revelation was this David is going to be king over Israel. You know how that revelation came? He had to hide David from his own dad. He had to help David escape from his own father, from his father Saul. And and Jonathan at that point had a revelation that this is the king. This is the guy that's going to sit on the throne. This is the guy that's going to take my inheritance. And you know what happened? Everybody talks about David and Jonathan and how wonderful their relationship is. Let me tell you what happened to their relationship. And you can write this in your notes. This is extra. This is a bunny trail. I'm just following the Spirit for a moment, so just hang with me. I put in my, in my, in my journal, loyalty versus revelation. You'll notice after the incident where Jonathan secures David and keeps his father Saul from harming David that the next thing you never see Jonathan again and David really interacting from that point on, Jonathan goes back to his father's household. The next time you hear about Jonathan is when the servant runs up to David and, and the war is taking place and David asks, you know, he comes up to David and he says, I've got news for you, king. What's the news? Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. The Bible says that David began to weep. But here's what happened with Jonathan. He had a revelation of who the king was to be, but he stayed loyal to the flesh. You never hear of Jonathan confronting his father. You never hear of Jonathan sitting Daddy Saul down and putting his finger right in his face and saying, You know what, Dad? 
you're wrong. And in fact, you're so messed up in this that God is going to replace you with David. And because of it, Dad, I've seen what God's going to do, so I'm going with David. It doesn't matter if I'm king or not. It doesn't matter if I'm number one. I'm going to follow the revelation of God. And some of you in this room this morning have had a revelation of God, but your loyalty to the flesh has kept you in the house of carnality. I want that to sink in for a moment. That's a word from the Lord. Some of you want a prophetic word. You just got one right there. Some of you have had a revelation of God, but your loyalty has been to what will people think if I follow that revelation? What will people think if I follow the revealing of what God is? Let me tell you something. What are you going to do when God starts revealing His beauty to you? When you start hearing the voice of the Spirit of God who wrote the Scripture and says, listen, listen. Let's run together. Let's go this way. And He reveals His beauty, the beauty of Jesus to you. And you be, you begin, you, you're going to have a problem because you're going to see the beauty of Jesus and you're going to look over here at the flesh. Jesus, flesh, revelation, Loyalty, revelation. There's some of you, you're loyal to people instead of being loyal to Jesus. You hearing me? You want to know why you're crashing in your Christian life? In an instant, Tuesday morning, just it has rattled me to the core. Because in an instant, I began to see my loyalty to the flesh was overriding the revelation that God had given me years ago. I've had people come to me a hundred times through prophetic words. Rowena's been one of them. If Donna Hankamer's here, she was another one. They've come and said, God wants to light you up and use you as a torch to set a whole generation on fire. And I go, ah, you know, that's kind of nice, you know, but I don't even own a Bic. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't have nothing to light that fire up and I really don't want to do that. We've got a great youth pastor and we got a great set of things going on Tuesday night. Everything's fine. And Tuesday morning, God came this time Himself and said, I want to set you on fire and I want to use you to light up a generation that will burn and burn and burn. Now, I've got a problem now. I either am going to be loyal to what I think is right or I'm going to follow the revelation of the Spirit of God. problem comes is when Jesus comes to the Laodicean church, he understands the lukewarm condition, how lukewarmness really affects whether or not we're going to follow revelation or law. Some of you are so loyal. This is, this is, the, this is the problem. You're lo- I love you, Pastor. Just say that. I need that. I need the reassurance. I, I'm just a rejection freak. Don't want to go there. Here's the deal. Some of you are so loyal to comfort. And I'm not, I'm not talking about just about physical comfort. I'm talking about what will people think of me comfort? What will my wife think of me if she finds me in the fetal position on the floor of our bedroom crying out to God? What will my husband think if I lock myself in the bathroom and, pr- and he hears the cries of my heart out to a God who's revealing himself to me? What will my boyfriend think? What will my girlfriend think? What will my friends think if they catch me weeping before the Lord or speaking in an unknown tongue or praying in that tongue or really going after God? What will they think if I start wanting to hang out with Jesus more than them? 
And see, we got this idea in the church, well, you can't be too heavenly minded, you'll be no earthly good. You're not no earthly good as you are right now. And here's the deal. I read somewhere, I think it was in Philippians, chapter 3, verse 18, that says, my citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. I don't belong here. I'm part of another country. And yet my loyalty is always to the flesh. My loyalty is to always make sure that my comfort is taken care of. Not following the voice of God. So Jesus says, he comes to them and he says, he says here's, here's, what, here's the deal. He says, I'm going I'm to counsel you. Now, when God counsels you, you need to step back and go, whoa, right. God's counseling? Right. Yeah. God says, I'm going to counsel you to do something. And then he uses the word, he says, I'm going to counsel you to buy of me. You go, wait a minute. How do I buy from him when I don't have nothing to spend? I don't have no money. Here's what that, the Lord, the Lord showed me this. I, I'm sitting Monday, I'm sitting in the prayer room, and uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a major discussion with God and some things that I'm writing, and all of a sudden it came to me. You know what? When Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me, and then he lists some things he wanted us to buy, here's what he's wanting us to do. How many of you go to the store, and when you buy something, and you go to the counter and you put the thing on there, what happens? So they scan it, and then what do they ask for? They ask for, they'll say, okay, that'll be nineteen ninety nine, please. Now, you have to do something at that point. You either pay them, or you don't take the item, right? So when you pull the $20 bill out, if it's nineteen ninety nine, you're going to get a penny change. When you pull that out, you're doing something. You know what you're doing? Or maybe it's not a 20. Maybe it's two fives and a 10. What do you do? Five, ten, twenty. What are you doing? You're counting the cost. When Jesus comes and he says, I want to counsel you to buy of me gold that's been tried in the fire. Here's what he's saying. Are you willing to pay the price to have gold that's tried? And he said, well, Jesus has paid it all. Uh, well... Yeah, but he happened to mention, if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your couch. No, that wasn't it. Take up your car. No, that wasn't it. Uh, take up your vacation. No, that wasn't it. What was I supposed to take up? Oh. Ew. Okay, we need a new translation. If you want to be my disciple, tithe. No, that didn't work either. Okay, I, I, I need help because I don't know what that says. If you want to take up my cross and, fall and be my disciple, take up the cross, that's it. If you want to be a disciple, you have to take... You mean I have to go through a crucifixion of a sort? Here's the deal. I haven't died to Stevie yet. I haven't died to the flesh. I haven't allowed certain things in my life to go to the cross. I've not allowed myself to be stretched out in my spirit and God say, okay, that's enough. Are you willing to give it up to have the revelation that I have for you? And Tuesday morning, boom. Oh, goodness. That's what you're asking. Yep. 
You want what I have for this generation. You're going to have to die, son. Now, now you hear me. Some of you don't want to hear that kind of counsel. You want to hear about peace. You want to hear that everything's going to be okay. Well, let me tell you something. I'm here to tell you. I don't know what the prophets have told you, but this little chubby prophet's coming to tell you something this morning. And right now I'm switching into that mode right now. Here's the deal. Beware of those who call for peace. Beware of those who always have a nice word. Beware of those who say everything's going to work out right. They're not hearing correctly. Because you know what? As Jesus is being marched up Calvary's cross and about ready to give His life, can you imagine some of our modern day prophets? Well, just in the name of Jesus, rebuke it. Well, Peter tried to talk him into that. And what did Jesus do? Jesus turned and said, Get thee behind me. Ooh. You mean there's two sources of revelation? Could be. You hear me? I counsel you to buy from me. And he lists two things. Three things. He says, I counsel you to buy from me. Now hear me. To buy from me gold tried in the fire. What's that? It's your faith. Now I got good news for some of you this morning. How many of you, without raising your hand, would say the last six months to a year, to a year you've had some difficulties. In fact, some of you could say they've been cruddy. That's a Hebrew word for something else. But cruddy. Don't raise your hand, but... Okay. You are the ones that actually have a foot up or rope up on this. Because your faith is no good unless it's been run through the muck. Your faith is no good until you have just lost everything and you think, where am I going to get the next paycheck? Come on. That's what it takes. That's where your faith gets tried as pure gold. When you're wondering where the next check's going to come from, when you're wondering if you're ever going to be healed from that disease, where you're wondering if your marriage is ever going to make it, where you're wondering if you'll ever quit that secret sin. That's the trying of my faith. Absolutely. There's going to come a point that God's going to say, drop it. And you're going to go, okay, I'm dropping. He's going to go see. You see, he's after, are you fighting the good fight of faith? Are you willing to get dirty and muddy and messy to move into that revelation of God that he has for you? Are you going to be loyal to Jonathan? So yes, you have to have gold tried in the fire. Faith that has been absolutely tried in the fire. If you're here this morning, I'm just going to stop the service for you. If you're here this morning and you've been going through some really rough times, I want you to stand right where you're at. Really hard times. I want you to stand right where you're at. Wow. Close your eyes. I want every, every eye in this house closed right now. This is not the end of the service. This is Merge Sunday, so we take a little bit longer than normal. Wow. I want those of you that are standing, I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. You're in a prime location, a prime spot in your life right now for you to have really good faith. Your faith has gone through it the last year. I want you to hear this right now. God is setting you up 
for Him to work in your life. It's not pretty. It's ugly sometimes. It's frustrating sometimes. You think, God, am I ever going to make it through this? It seems like I've been here forever. I'm not going to make it through. I don't know what's. I don't know where the next check is. The mortgage is too big. The bills are too big. My past is haunting me. Everything's going wrong. My marriage is messed up. My kids are messed up. I'm just messed up. And you have counted that as a reason why you can't approach God. I want you to know right now, God is for you right now. And He's wanting you to know you're going through a testing right now, a trying right now. And if you will run after the revelation of who He is and His beauty, you're going to be able to buy from Him gold that's been tried in the fire. Your faith is absolutely worthless, friends, until it goes through fire. Now, if you stand here, I want, if you're near somebody standing, I want you to just gently reach over and put your hand on them right now. Come on, just reach over and put your, 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 that's it. You might have to turn around. This, this is sermon as we go this morning. Come on. Now, I want you to begin to pray the prayer of faith over them right now. I want you to ask God to help them through this trying time. I want you to ask God to deliver them right now. Come on. Come on. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Come on. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we would begin to let You try us. we begin to let You turn the fire on us right now. we begin to realize You're doing something in us that nothing, no other situation could do. That the trying of our faith, the fire that we're going through right now, is going to result in gold. We're going to come out of this fire. We're going to come out of this trial. We're going to come out of this series of maybe even years. We're going to walk out of it. Just as the Hebrew children walked out of the fire, Fiery furnace, we're coming out. We're coming out. We're coming out. Wow. Wow. It's good. It's good. It's good. Whew. Now just sit down. You say, wow, that, that was kind of... The second thing you've got to buy is this. He says, I want you to buy white raiments. Now you've got to understand something. When he says, buy for me. White garments that you may be clothed. The shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Here's the deal. This white garment is not... It's, it's a heavenly garment. You study this out in Revelation. The white garments are the, are the garment of the saints that were put on them by Jesus Christ Himself. And here's the deal. Some of you are deep in shame this morning. Some of you are just absolutely steeped in shame. You're afraid some of your little uh, indiscretions might be found out. I've got some really good news for you. God wants to clothe you with some stuff from heaven, with a garment from heaven, that when He's done, the shame of your nakedness won't be revealed. That's how good a God we got. That's how incredible the mercy and the grace of God are. But here's the deal. You've got to be willing enough to be able to say, I have to, I've got some things in my life that I need the mercy of the Lord to cover and I can't deal with it any longer in myself. I need the heavenly grace of God to come into my life and to clothe me and to put... See, here's the deal. The Scripture talks a lot about put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Some of you just dabble in Jesus where God's wanting you to put Him on. Put Him on. No, no, no. Put Him on. Not put Him off. Put Him on. 
Cover your... See, you say, what, what do you mean? I, 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 I might wind up being kind of like a Jesus freak. Exactly. We're, we're getting there. We're, we're, we're getting there. See, some of you have financial trouble because you never put Jesus on your finances. You say, well, yeah, we pay our tithes. No, 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 no. You never sat down and asked Jesus if you should make that purchase. Am I meddling? I'm meddling. I'm sorry. Not really. Some of you are going, man, this relationship I'm in, I just, I want it to go away. Well, maybe you should ask Jesus and put him on before you put on the relationship. Put on white garments that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. This is going to be a tough one for some of you, but you've got some stuff in your life that you don't want to be revealed to any human being at all. And, and that doesn't mean that we're not going to sit back and speculate. We've got to stop that. That's gossip. That's just the spirit of the devil. And I can't stand. By the way, if you don't know me yet, those of you in the north side just getting to know me, if I find a gossiper... I harm them. We have a rack in my office. We put them on. You know, the elders compound you and you never gossip again because you're not there. You've gone on to be with Jesus and it's been a real wonderful thing. Because gossip is just horrid to me. I, I would rather deal with anything than gossip. Anything. I mean anything. I'll deal with crime before I deal with gossip. But here's the deal. You're here this morning... And you need the grace of God to come into a situation in your life where you need the covering of God. Now, hear, hear the word of the Lord. Love covers a multitude of sins. If we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, we're going to start having to be a church that covers, not exposes. You hear me? Covers. We already know who's doing what. It's up to us, or are we going to cover it? You're here this morning, and you've got an issue that needs covered by, by the grace of God. Some shame things going on in your life. It's going to be hard for you to do, but you've got some shame things you need covered. I love that sound in the back. My granddaughter throwing a fit. Jesus, it couldn't happen to better people. Okay, you, you, don't be put off by that. Jesus is laughing too. They asked for her, they got her. Here's the deal. You have something that needs covered by the grace of God. Some shame, some spiritual nakedness that needs covered. I want you to stand right now. Come on, this is hard. This is hard. It's getting harder. There's others in this room. You're just too proud to do it. <laughs> Come on, I'm going to wait on this one. Been waiting for you, buddy. Come on. This is a tough one. See, here's the deal. Some of you right now are dealing with revelation or loyalty. Right. Jonathan or David. Jonathan's life 
or David's life. <laughs> you think, well, if I, uh, we're not going to ask you what it is. I don't care what it is. You're here this morning and the shame of your nakedness is driving you crazy. I want you to know something. There's a white garment, a grace that can come on your life. That God will begin to cover that thing. God will begin to fix that thing. Some of you have dealt with it for years. Others with you for months. And you need to stand this morning. God's grace is in this house. This is. A, I just felt the power of the Holy Spirit. God just wants to set you free. Wow. Okay, I'm waiting for two more people. Okay, there's one. There we go. Okay. Why not you bow your heads? <laughs> and I want you, where nobody else can hear it at this point, I just want you to ask God, tell God what you need covered right now. And then people are going to pray with you. You just, you and God, one-on-one, this is a... Just tell God. Just tell God. Some of you think it's so horrible and that God just doesn't know, God just can't fix it, I want you to know He can fix it. Not only can He fix it, He can cover it. Now, if there's somebody standing near you, or you need to go lay your hands on somebody right now, I want you to do it. We're, we're just working our way through this. The Holy Spirit is, we're, we're building up. There's some good things about to happen this morning. Come on. You just begin to pray for them right now. That the shame of their nakedness, I don't want you to ask them what it is. I don't want you to speculate what it is. I just want you to say, God, clothe them with garments this morning. Clothe them with garments. Clothe them with garments. Some of you, where you have been, God is going to use you to help others get out of where you have been. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we break off all the strongholds that have accumulated. Oh God, from, from, oof. Lord God, we just come against shame right now in the name of Jesus. Shame and condemnation, we break it off of her in the name of Jesus. Mmm. Mmm. Yes. Now, in the name of Jesus, come, Lord. Come, Lord. Man, there's some serious stuff going on right now. Some of you, you haven't wept tears of repentance in a long time. The Scripture says, be zealous and repent. You need to let go of it. You need to quit making that sin bigger than the cross. Some of you have got the sin bigger than the cross. The cross is bigger than your shame this morning. The cross is bigger than your sin right now. The cross is bigger than what you even what you did last night. The cross is bigger than that right now. Come on. The cross is bigger than your sin. The cross is bigger than... This is church, friends. This is what we came for this morning. Holy Spirit is really getting some of you this morning. Come on. The cross is bigger. The cross is bigger. The cross is bigger. Right now, the cross is bigger. Oh, Jesus. 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 Amen. Amen. I want all of you to be seated except for you ladies to keep ministering to her. Susan, don't, don't let go. I want the rest of you just... I want you to get used to... Everybody look up here. I want you to get used to multiple things happening at once. Can you hear me? You need to, you need to quit. Get out of your mind. Well, we all got to be seated and everything's got to be... I want you to get used to holy chaos. You hear me? Where God's saving one person over here, delivering another one from a demon over here, and healing somebody over here. Get used to it, and we just flow with it, okay? I, I don't want church that has to be such this little pattern. Of, listen... The order of, you know, you always got somebody say, well, things need to be decently in order. Whose order? God's order is totally, I, I tell you what, they come out of the upper room and they, you talk about chaos. Ah, oh, these people are drunk. 
at nine o'clock in the morning? I don't think so. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You hear what I'm saying? So don't worry about this. Now, the third thing we had to buy. He says, I counsel you to buy ISAV. He says, you're blind. And you're not seeing very good. He says, I counsel you and anoint your eyes with ISAV that you may see. What is he wanting us to see? He's wanting us to see him. You know, one of the things that happens when we don't see him clearly is this, is, is that we don't see ourselves. We don't see ourselves like we should until we see him. I, you know what? You can tell me what I'm like. You can, you know, I've had people tell me what they, about what they saw in me. And actually, it was kind of hurtful. Well, this is what I see in you. You're, you're just a booger. You know, you're, you're just no good. But how about this? How about when I look into the loving, gracious eyes of Jesus who gave His life for me on Calvary and I see back in His eyes, not condemnation, but I see love. And at the same time, how many of you would like to look at yourselves without being condemned, but see the truth? Because most of us, if we saw the truth without looking in His eyes, we'd freak out. (laughs) We'd have to be like at Woodstock, make freak out tents, because you'd be freaking out. But here's the deal. Because I want to anoint your eyes so you can see what? We used to sing it in the church. We used to sing when I was a boy, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. What happens? We begin to see Jesus and we begin to see ourselves and we're not freaked out at what we see, but we look at ourselves and we begin to see hope. We begin to realize Yeah, that's me, but I also see Him, and a Him plus the Holy Spirit is going to fix me. So I don't have to freak out about what I see, I just have to begin to keep looking at Him. (laughs) You ever been on a really... I, I got a confession... I hate carnival rides. I don't go on rides at Disneyland, Disney World, Six Flags, any of them. I think they're demonic, they're wrong. Um, why take a perfectly good life and whirl it through space? I mean, I just have never understood that. Oh, Dad, let's go on the hoopty doopy or whatever, you know, and you watch people and they're throwing up all over the place, you know, and all oh, that looks like fun. Let's go do it. Well, I've been conned a couple of times. And the last time I was conned was when my daughter, Kate, wherever she went, oh, she's was five years old and we were at Disney World. And see, I, I, I just don't do rides. But they caught me on a science fiction thing. Because they said, Dad, it's about space and space. Well, something called Space Mountain or something. All of a sudden, I noticed that the little boat we were in, or whatever it is, is going up. I'm thinking, wow, we're going to go up to the next story and see, like Spock and Kirk, and we're going to, oh yeah, we Spocked and Kirked all right. All of a sudden, we were up high, and then, and I'm screaming at my children, you are! 
are a bunch of liars. And so I only did what I know to do in times like that. I closed my eyes. Because if I can't see, the only thing I'll know is my stomach's being jerked out my nose. But hey, other than that, I'm fine. But then I hear another cry. Katie felt the same way about the ride as I did and decided at five years old to pull up the bar and climb out. So now I'm having to keep one eye open because I've got to watch her from committing some bad crime of jumping out. And this thing is we're hurtling through time and space and warp drive and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, and so when I got off, I was not happy. But I have found when I'm in a tight spot, close your eyes. Whenever I go to the doctor and they want to take blood. Done yet? Feels like you've sucked out a gallon. Okay, you're done? Good. Good, 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 good. We want to examine you today. Okay. We're going to do surgery. Okay. Or one time I was having something done with my stomach and the doctor wakes me up and says, You want to see inside? (laughs) What kind of a masochistic nerd are you? It's like, not really. (laughs) Well, if you look right here. No, I'm not looking, dude. I don't know what your problem is. Can we show the x-rays? No. I think if we use that analogy, instead of looking at what we see in the eyes of Jesus as recording to ourselves, let's start looking at Him. When we're being whirled through situations, start closing our eyes and hoping they'll go away. Lift our eyes up. Let Him be revealed. See, Jesus knew. He says He knew their eyes were blind. They couldn't see their condition because they couldn't see Him. And our job as pastors is not to point your condition out to you. Our job is to point you to Jesus and let a glimpse of Him begin to resolve that condition. I love it when the woman with the issue of blood comes to Jesus. And it's so amazing. The disciples were preventing her getting there. (laughs) And so she busted through, grabbed a hold. And Jesus didn't stop and go, okay, he, he, all he said was, who touched me? I felt virtue go out of me. He said, I did. He says, you're healed. He didn't start listing all of her. Well, you're really not qualified to touch me for on several accounts. He didn't do that, did he? So many of us, if we just focus on him, the whirling would stop. Now, you still may have a little bit of upset stomach because you're going up and down and stuff, but the whirling will stop. Where's John? Go to the keyboard, buddy to give them hope that's all I can say Tuesday morning Greg's sitting on my right and uh, it's, it was raining in Kansas City Tuesday morning we were to board the plane at quarter to seven KC time, so that means it was quarter to five here, and we'd been up an hour or two beforehand, so I'd been up pretty early. 
There wasn't even chickens up, man. I don't even know if God was up. I mean, it was early. Sun was just starting to break over the KC metropolitan area. And I'd been asking God questions about what gone on that week because here's the deal. I, I, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not a revival junkie or a renewal junkie or any of that. In fact, I'm usually the guy that's going, huh, not happening to me. Well, I've learned. Last time I said that, it happened. I remember, I, I remember when Jeff Lucas and, and the guys from Eureka came and <laughs> all you guys were all flopping on the ground and everything. I'm going, not me. I'm the pastor, bless God. I'm in control. Four hours later, I woke up under the piano. <laughs> Some control. Plane was taken off. It was very, very misty, very foggy, very cloudy. Got up to about 10,000 feet. We're right in the middle of the clouds. You can't see anything. I'm just looking out the window. I always like to do that when I fly. Make sure we're not going down, that we're continuing going up. Because, you know, what comes up, goes up, must come down. But I want it to come down in the right way. Look out the window. Aircraft's totally surrounded by clouds. Can't see a thing. And I'm asking God, God, did I miss something this week? Because, man, my spiritual thermometer can tell that what you're doing in the earth right now, what you're doing in different hot spots around the earth, it's you. I know it's you, but I don't feel affected at all. I don't feel changed. I don't feel anything. In fact, I'm really kind of jealous of my daughter, man. She's all into it. And, and, and I'm kind of going, God, you know, I love spending time with you. And I love being in the prayer room. I could, you know, we took Greg in there. And four hours later, Greg goes, we just got here. I said, no, Greg, we've been in here four hours. Come on, get out. And go, oh, okay. And, uh, but, you know, you just get into that thing. And I'm... We're up there. I said, God, has that day passed me by? About that time, the plane comes up out of the clouds, and all of a sudden I can see for miles. And the voice of God, I haven't heard this voice so clearly in so long said, how do you like the view here? I said, this is a beautiful view. He said, you know what? This is what it's like. Because you could see, it looked like a city up there. I mean, there's just, you're just above the clouds and you can see everything. And it's beautiful blue sky. We left all the crud of Kansas City behind us. And, you know, we're flying to the crud in Portland. And, uh, you know, here it is, beautiful. I said, how do you like it? I said, I like it a lot. This is really nice. He says, you know what? You can live here. I said, what do you mean? He says, do you know that I have a destiny for you that's found in the scripture that says, if you will be seated in me in heavenly places. He says, I'm just simply asking you, will you take your seat in me and let me carry you? And a trembling began to come inside of me because I realized the voice of God was saying, listen, I want to take you and use you and do something with you that's not going to be comfortable. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to close your eyes, buckle yourself in, and be seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. And if you'll stay there, if you won't leave your seat, I'm going to light you up. 
And I'm going to use you to light others. And and, and, and all week long, there's been different situations. And I found myself going, reaching for the belt buckle. Going, I I need to get out of this seat because... And Jesus says, no, if you'll stay in your seat. This is the view. You see, some of you are so caught in the cloud of your problems. That's me. You can't... You know, because you can't see outside the aircraft. You're just caught in the cloud of your problems. You know why? (laughs) Your problems, the clouds didn't go away. But I had a different view. I was seated in Christ in heavenly places. And all of a sudden, all the clouds that were my life looked a lot different up there than they did when you're right in the middle of it. And it's just like the Holy Spirit breathed into me. This is your destiny. You were not meant to be lost in the clouds. You were meant to be seated above them. And some of you, you need ISAB by the Holy Spirit this morning to see afresh and anew again. I want you to close your eyes. I want the ushers to come. We're going to give you communion. We're going to take communion.